Is Facebook liberal or conservative? Welcome to Bots and Ballots. I'm Grant Burningham for Yahoo News. You've probably heard some loud arguments from both sides that Facebook is biased. Here's Ted Cruz talking to Mark Zuckerberg in hearings on Facebook's role in the 2016 election. I'll say there are a great many Americans who I think are deeply concerned that, that Facebook and other tech companies are engaged in a pervasive pattern of bias and political censorship. And here's Mark Zuckerberg's response. I understand where that concern is coming from because Facebook and the tech industry are located in Silicon Valley, which is an extremely left-leaning place. Then, just minutes after getting hit from Ted Cruz for being too conservative, he was getting hammered for allowing the data company Cambridge Analytica to use his platform to help Donald Trump and for embedding staff with the Trump campaign. So which is it? Today I'm talking to Adam Fisher. He's a Silicon Valley historian and author of the book Valley of Genius, the uncensored history of Silicon Valley as told by hackers, founders, and freaks who made it boom. The Valley may vote liberal, but it has always been known for its iconoclasts, its libertarians, and of course for hosting some of the most rapacious capitalists on the planet. Adam, thanks so much for coming today. It's a pleasure to be here, Grant. So Adam, you've spent the last couple of years digging through the history of Silicon Valley. Silicon Valley has a reputation of being almost Hollywood-level liberal. If you go back through the history of Silicon Valley, that hasn't always been the case. Definitely not. Remember, the silicon in Silicon Valley was first created for the war machine. Silicon Valley got big creating silicon chips, and those chips were first used in rockets. I would say the modern history started with the personal computer, mid-70s, and the guy who first put the phrase personal computer into print, who, who coined it in a way, was a famous Northern California intellectual named Stuart Brand. Now, on one side of the coin, Stuart Brand was probably the guy most responsible for getting LSD into the hands and heads of hippies. Made an appearance in Electric Kool-Aid Acid Test, as I recall. Indeed, he's in the opening scene of that famous book. He's the kind of one hero of the book, the one guy who, who comes off well. His politics are libertarian in a sense, and I want to be careful with that wor word because he's not a capital L libertarian. He uh, He's not, I would doubt he was even voting for libertarian candidates, but if you really look at his ideas, there's so much about individual freedom that there's really not a, a better word for it. So how do we get to this point where, and I looked this up, at the counties which make up Silicon Valley voted something like 75% Clinton. When, when did that switch happen where it went from being sort of this somewhat military project with libertarian roots to being a place which outwardly looks very liberal? You know, I think the culture war has become the thing that most people vote on. They don't vote for their economic interests as much as they vote for kind of their friends. And a certain kind of diversity, a high immigrant population, has been the hallmark of Silicon Valley for several decades. So this last election cycle, the vast majority of Silicon Valley money went to Clinton, and that seemed to be over issues like the H-1B visa and things like that. 
Yeah, those are bottom line issues as well. Like a lot of engineering talent comes from out of the country now, China, India, even Europe. There was one big exception to that, which was Peter Thiel. So Peter Thiel is an outlier. He, yes, went to Stanford, but he didn't come up through the computer science department. He really came up through the philosophy department. And he was a kind of campus contrarian, campus radical. These days, campus radicals are on the right. It's pretty clear he reveled in arguing some pretty pretty wild positions. I don't know. I guess he would say stuff like, you know, diversity may not matter as much as we think it does. Politics changed when women were given the right to vote, you know, et cetera, et cetera, stuff that sounds outrageous, but where you could probably win an argument um, if you did it debate club style. So he's an outrageous character. He made a huge amount of money trying to create a private currency. It ended up he created PayPal instead. And this election came around, and he did one of the kind of more conventional things I've ever seen him do, and uh, which is he came out for one of the candidates, but he came out Republican. And that really pissed a lot of people off because really the whole Valley was rooting for Clinton in the last election. And I think he reveled in, in being the, the villain in that way. And But really, I think what was going on is he saw a candidate who was had a, a non-zero possibility of winning. And he could be, if he gave money to them, he could be the only Silicon Valley figure that would. And thus, if he did win, he'd suddenly be in a position of power. So I think he looked at it as a trade, as like a, a bang for your buck kind of thing and said, I like those odds. Why the hell not? I'd say one of the ironies of the 2016 election is this valley, which was definitely pulling for Clinton, like you said, with with a couple of notable exceptions, created these tools which it looks like really were the basis of, of Donald Trump getting elected. And I'm talking about Twitter. I'm talking about Facebook. I talked to over 200 people in the valley, and I'm talking about CEOs, billionaires, uh, for this book, Valley of Genius. And almost to a person, they all expressed a kind of disappointment or fear or trepidation about what it was that they had created with the best of intentions almost in every case. In particular, Twitter is the most interesting, I think. I have a chapter on Twitter, and I wrote it in such a way where it was very clear at the end that Twitter had been hijacked by, well, Donald Trump, but kind of ugliness in general, and turned from this kind of platform where anybody was free to say anything to this platform where really scary kinds of mob rule type politics could foment and, and, and gain power. And uh, I sent the chapter to Ev Williams, who is the founder and first CEO of Twitter, for him to read because he was extremely helpful with my research. And I, I was prepared for him to hate it, and he liked it. 
you know, for these guys, I think actions speaks louder than words. Ev in particular, Ev Williams, is now building something called Medium, which in many ways is the anti-Twitter. It showcases long-form writing instead of short tweets. It's subscription-based instead of advertising-based. It seems to be in its architecture kind of a version 2.0. The question is, is that what the people want? Is that what we want? Do we want sophisticated, non-fake journalism and, and opinions, or do we want the hot take that's inflammatory? If we accept that some of what's going wrong in political conversation is the fault of the technology coming out of this region, do you think there's a fix for that also here? Well, look, I do believe that the medium is the message. That's a famous Mar Marshall McLuhan quote. In fact, the full quote is, if the medium is the message, then the product is the audience. It's what we all know but always ignore, which is if you're looking at a, a medium that's supported by advertising, you are essentially being bought and sold. Your attention is being mined for profit. To the machine that's cr creating the advertising dollars, it doesn't matter what it says. It just matters that it gets your attention. So I think the main thing that needs to be done is we need to move off an advertising-supported model. Back in 2015 and 2016, Facebook in particular was under a lot of criticism for being too left. And then as soon as the election happened, there was just this drastic U-turn, and suddenly they were getting a lot of pressure for promoting all these right-wing uh, talking points or ads. When I look at the Zuckerberg hearings, it almost seems like he's begging for regulation. I wonder if he thinks of it as a way of slicing through Gordian's knot on this and just taking the politics completely out of Facebook's hands. I think you're right, totally. Monopolists love regulation. You know, I try to emphasize kind of these libertarian undercurrents that I see in the history and when you just talk to people. But I think uh, the view changes when you have a monopoly. I do think, however, there are regulatory things you could change. I mean, if you said, hey, Facebook, if, if there's pirated content or if there's slanderous content, you're going to be liable for it the news there would look a lot more like the New York Times if you just made people responsible, legally. You talk to a lot of these people who start companies here. Are they afraid of what's coming for them? How are they managing to work under Trump's America? Well, it's been great for some, some people. I mean, there's a drone manufacturer who, I'm not going to mention this name, but they were kind of like the last... Um, American drone manufacturer. They're struggling because in the face of this Chinese competition, even though they were, you know, really kind of invented all of it first. And it was kind of a sad thing. And now, uh, suddenly, pretty much all Chinese-made drones are illegal <laughs> um, because there's some new import regulations you know, part of this trade war that Trump is um, putting up, and boom, there's an incredible business opportunity. The robotics 
manufacturers and all the, the hardware manufacturers, you know, we may see them helped in, in a weird way. Between pressure from shareholders and Congress to fix some of the things that went wrong in 2016 and what I assume is some sort of existential soul searching on behalf of these companies. Do you think anything will change in 2018? Nothing is going to change. Silicon Valley, we talk about it this, as this place where everything changes. Silicon Valley, when we're talking about Apple, Facebook, and Google, we're talking about something that looks, to me, like Detroit in the 50s with Ford, General Motors, and Chrysler. You know, a big three, an industry town. Um, and yeah, the tail fins go up and down. You get a new feature on your messenger app or something. But essentially, it's the same. It's locked down. They have nearly global monopolies on what they sell. Um, really nothing is going to change. I'm quite sure of that. There's just too much money involved you know maybe the general public will wise up and i think they will to the fact that the medium is the message and they're being bought and sold and and go back to buying buying high quality information instead of gorging themselves on low quality information and fake news but google and facebook and apple are not going to go away I think especially Google, because Google, you know, has the most da d data and it is the most clearly focused on creating artificial intelligence, which, you know, something, something interesting is happening there. My final question, I guess, is Silicon Valley seems to be a very unique place in terms of what it's able to create. And I wonder how much of that do you think is due to this really weird almost combustible mix of government rocket employees from NASA, uh, libertarians, and these lefty kind of hippies in San Francisco. Like these all kind of are oil and water with one another and yet seem to be everywhere. Look, I believe that is the magic. There are a lot of places Silicon Valley could have happened because the technologists and, and the, the infrastructure were there and universities with the great um, science and computer science departments were there. You know, famously, Boston, upstate New York, um, Texas, all of these places were in the running. But it's Silicon Valley that really took off and just dominated and i and i do believe that the the answer is essentially cultural there's a license to be different here culturally adam thank you so much for joining me and uh, the book is called valley of genius the uncensored history of silicon valley thank you so much thanks for listening to bots and ballots from yahoo news Please subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to my guest, Adam Fisher, and to Leah Hitchens, my producer. I'm Grant Birmingham. Thanks for listening.